When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Unpark Rolls preview show supported by Phantom Bruco. Well, I'm not joined by James Earnshaw this week. I'm joined by Alex. How you doing? Yeah, I'm okay, Paul. I don't think I'm much of a replacement for James Earnshaw, but I'll try my best. He is a Lee. There is no point denying that. He is uh, top tier. Um, if you want to hear us talking about the points deduction and everything that came yesterday, you need to go back and listen to the podcast from yesterday, which was delicately named Die is a Twat. I think this is a fairly uh, very polite, a fair summary, isn't it, Alex? I don't think anyone can polite, disagree think, with that. Really. No. It could be could be much much ruder than that. Couldn't it you could say? be. It could be. Yes, uh, the one that we actually put in the recording was definitely a lot stronger than that. But I thought there are issues. So what I'm going to do is quickly run through what James took away from uh, the press conference today in his tweet. So quickly, Ruben Sellers not planning on walking away. Good news. Smith and Wing still one or two weeks away. So that's getting positive. Kamara and Ijaria long term amateurs. Not so good. Ijaria, uh, who knows? The man, it, will he ever play again? I don't know. Tyler Binden back. That's good news. Um, Ruben Sellers saying, I know there is some movement there on potential investors. Also, no space in budget for any free agent additions. What are your main takeaways from that, Alex? Uh, Binden being back is really good news, definitely. Um, I hope he's back in the starting 11. It, fingers crossed, that'll be good. Um, Kamara being out for a few weeks is is a shame. I def I think he had quite a bright start to the season, so him being out for three or four weeks is it's a shame. Um, particularly because I mean, against Cambridge before the international break, we did we we just looked like we struggled a bit out wide, and Kamara just gives you that kind of wide option, I guess. Which the players that we were playing there just they, they just didn't really didn't really do the same same kind of job. Um, and then obviously Della saying that he's aware that there's potential investment out there is is it's good news, but it's kind of ones we've taken with a bit of a pinch of salt, right? We don't really know how far along it is, who it is, you know, when it might come, what might happen to Reading in the meantime. So it's like it's nice to hear, but ultimately it's kind of it's all a bit platitudes until something actually happens. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel for Ruben Sellers who's in a situation when he's trying to get something in any way positive out there, isn't he? I mean, it, he's got constant negativity to deal with. But I, I agree on the investors that um, it's probably a few months away, isn't it, at the earliest? Yeah, I mean, however, like, even if it gets, even if they agree something with a with an investment today, the EFL still have to approve it before it gets approved and, and actually ratified, etc. And who knows how long that process is going to take. Presumably it will take longer because the EFL are dealing with Reading and they know that it's been a pain over the last few years. And, you know, I can't see it being a straightforward thing, even when it finally gets agreed between 
whoever it is and Dai Yong in terms of whether it's a minority investment or a takeover, whatever it might be. It's not going to be a quick process, is it? And then even following that, you know, all of the red tape stuff, I don't think that's going to be quick either. So I think the next few months are going to be just as kind of like painful probably as, as the last couple, unfortunately. Yes, I'd, I'd love love to be able to disagree with you but unfortunately i think you're absolutely uh, spot on there so let's give some predictions for the game on saturday it's going to be a tough one isn't it alex i mean we'd love to sit and predict wins wouldn't we but i don't think either of us are going to do that are they no i'd like to because i don't normally get to do a prediction for the for the matches normally i just come on afterwards and talk about how we've you know lost in the last minute or something away from home but um yeah, I can't see us beating Bolton, really. They've had a really good start to the season. I think they've had four wins out of six so far. And, I mean, maybe we put in a performance. Uh, it's, you know, perhaps. But ultimately, I think Bolton are a very good side. I think they've kind of had one really poor performance against Wigan. But apart from that, look, they look really solid. Um Without Sam Smith being back yet, I, I think we're still going to struggle slightly going forwards. So uh, I think I'm going to go for 2-1 to Bolton. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to do... I think I'm going to go... Uh, do I want to go really negative? No, I'm going to stick with 2-1 to Bolton. Uh, we both hope that we're totally wrong here, obviously. Um, but we say that virtually every single week on these predictions. But we will see. Thanks for joining us, Alex. And um, now we've got Matt coming up with a Bolton fan. And hope you enjoy listening to that one. And um, wow, remember memories of Bolton over the years. A 7-0 win or the playoff final. Let's not go there. But there have been some ups and downs. But have a good listen to that one. And cheers for listening to this bit. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part two of the Elm Park Rolls preview podcast brought to you by Phantom Brewery. We've now flipped over to the view from the opposition. We are previewing probably one of the best teams now in League One. That's, of course, Bolton Wanderers. And to do so, we've got Tom Jenkins from Lion of Vienna. How are you doing? Very good. Very good, Matt. <laughs> probably a lot better than you are today yes. when we're recording it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, very much looking forward to the game this weekend. It's my first away of the season, so uh, hoping for a good result. But um, yeah, I've had mixed results when I've been to Reading before, so we shall see. Fair enough. No, well, think, think, fingers crossed it'll be a good game. Um, quick one, Line of Vienna podcast. <laughs> Where does that come from? That's an incredible podcast name. <laughs> yeah, so the Line of Vienna, um, it relates to, to Nat Lofthouse. Um, People probably know Nat Lofthouse. He um, has a fantastic England goal-scoring record, if memory serves. It's 30 goals in 33 games for England. Highest bottom wanderous goal-scorer ever. Statue outside the Reebok, as we still call it now to this day. Um, the nickname comes from when he played for uh, for England over in Vienna. Uh, and if memory serves, scored a hat-trick when uh, when was suffering quite a serious injury. So, testament to his bravery. Um, and, yeah, it's uh, something that's endured. Uh, the part of the stadium, the hospitality suite, is still called the Lana Vienna Suite. Obviously, as I mentioned, the statue there so definitely has some some links to the club and uh yeah it gives you a bit of a, a niche name in the very what you call it a saturated podcast market 
I love it. I think that's a fantastic name. It's a great story as well. So kind of looking at Bolton Wanderers and kind of how how you've rebuilt really since we last played you. We last played you in 2019. I think it was January 1-1. It was another trip to the re- I was I was going to call it the Reebok there. Now I'm going to call it's, it the Reebok. It's the best thing to call it the Reebok, trust me. It's, <laughs> Indeed, it's, it's the Reebok Stadium. It's, anyway. it's like the SEL. It's not the SEL. It's in the base key. Just, yeah, just, yes. just call it what it's meant to be. <laughs> Absolutely um, agreed. Last time we came and played you 1-1, it was another 90th minute um, goal. Ovi Ajaria, remember him? He also scored for Reading FC. He does exist. Maybe <laughs> who knows. But a lot has kind of gone on at Bolton since then and obviously culminated in a playoff um, challenge last year. Obviously fell just short. But Tom, give us a bit of a bit of a uh, look into Bolton the last, last year or two. No, sure. Well, Matt, I was actually at that at that game when we last played you. Um, I took one of my my housemates at university who is not a particular football fan to that game, uh, and he, I think we came away from it having seen Jack Hobbs get get that goal. If memory serves, I think that was it. Um, saying uh, my word, that was rubbish, and it's been rubbish <laughs> for a lot of the time. Um, watching Bolton over the last few years, apart from since Ian Everett took over. Um, obviously, since 2019, had all the horrendous financial issues under Ken Anderson, fell all the way down to to uh, League Two. Uh, the previous season, we'd been taken over by Sharon Britton and Football Ventures, but the poor appointment of Keith Hill uh, meant that, you know, overcoming the uh, sort of administration points deduction and also, you know, the issues relating to COVID as well, it was going to be insurmountable, but they, they got the next appointment right. Uh, Ian Ever progress uh, on poem progress ever since he took over. We did have an awful start in League Two, and I think in January he proclaimed we're the best team in the league when we were about 21st, uh, but we did end up finishing third and getting promoted. Uh, and since then, it has been steady progression. Ninth in the first season in League One, fifth last year. Um, very disappointing two matches actually against Barnsley in the playoffs uh, that obviously saw us, you know, get knocked out. Um, and aside from you know what was a very very good day out at Wembley, beating Plymouth four 0 I'd have much rather have been Argyle and finished first uh, and been able to be playing Championship football this year. Uh, however, I think probably. Um, when we weren't quite ready, I think it would have been a difficult season, um, regardless of going up and any investments and all of that stuff. There was a lot of players who were just suddenly starting to come to the fore, and we're seeing the fruits of it now to a certain extent. But yeah, no, it's been, it's been some journey. I think Ever had a three-year plan and wanted us to go up last year, but um, you know the bookies seem to think it's going to become a four-year plan to get us back into the championship. I'm a little bit more cautious. I don't think we've quite hit the stride yet, but. Yeah, I think um, this will be a good test of us. Despite Reading's off-field issues, I think it's uh, always a difficult place to go. The, the Medeski, I'll call it that as well. <laughs> well, I made a bit of a blooper. It wasn't Ovia Jarrett that scored. It was Nelson Oliveira. How I've got those two mixed up, I don't know. If I'm reading, reading <laughs> it was a penalty, point. no? It was a penalty, and I was yeah. there because, um, yeah, it was an, it was another game which I've been to away from home that we've not only not won and conceded <laughs> in the last minute. So um, how I forgot that, I don't, it probably boarded it from my mind. It was Nelson Oliveira, though, not Ovia Jaria. Um I mean, so many people have tipped you to be top of the table this this season. Um, kind of understandably so. You look at last year, your defence was impeccable. You know, it was only second to Ipswich. They scored, I think it was 35 last season, or conceded 35. You conceded 36. Um, you've added the likes of Nathan Baxter and goal um, to that. It's an incredibly strong back line that you've got for League One standards. It's only really, I guess, the goal scoring department that's um, that, that, that's been struggling. And you've been able to bring in the likes of Victor Adebayeju, obviously last January, kicked on this season seemingly. Um, but kind of the summer and the start of the season, how's that kind of been for you guys? 
Um, obviously, we had to replace James Trafford and Connor Bradley, who were massive parts of um, of that of that defence that you mentioned there. Let's be honest, you know, when Bolton are playing in League One and their goalkeeper then gets bought for you know a, a rather rather large sum of money by Burnley to be their number one in the Premier League, you know, it, it speaks volumes as to how how good how good he was. But Baxter has looked looked decent. I think you'd have seen Matt. You know, we've had a reasonable start to the season. Um, was it thirteen points from from six? But we had that Wigan blip uh, and it, one hell of a blip it was. And it's the worst one to, to have been a blip in. I'd rather Lincoln or anyone else have probably If you could have chosen anyone to lose 4 0 to, that would have been bottom of the Twice. Bottom of the it's bottom. happened twice, Matt. Has it? <laughs> yeah. So the, when we played Wigan in the first season back in League One at home, we lost to them 4 0 and come back and wanting revenge after they got relegated and playing us again. And it happened again. So yeah, that, that, that was a fun day. Not. <laughs> All the chance it's happened again, and everything comes out at that point. It's yeah, it's 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 the one thing. A lot of Reading fans, I think, are dreading playing Oxford again because um, mm. I think, to be honest, we'll be trounced by Oxford this year. I hate to say it, but it's very hard <laughs> at the moment, and it's a horrible feeling. Um, but <laughs> I mean, the the way you've started, though. I mean, you started the first three games pretty incredibly. You know, three nil, three nil away at Lincoln, three nil at Cheltenham, three one at Fleetwood. I mean, some might say, you know, they're teams down the bottom, but you're putting away teams 3-0, 3-1. You can't really have any complaints. Flip against Wigan, but then, you know, beating Derby, drawing at Burton, or drawing at Burton, then beating Derby. They game against Derby, that was probably the staple, I think, of of that first, first run of games. 2-1, crucial win probably for you guys. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. I mean, don't be wrong, that there was a, very much an element of luck in there. Uh, having Wildsmith sent off in the in the second half very early on, and obviously that's been rescinded now and proven to be an incorrect decision for handling the ball outside the box. And um, you know it helped enormously because it basically became attack v defence for the rest of the match. But by I would say you know in a non biased manner, um, you know that we were dominating that game anyway. Um, but yeah, no, this is the thing. We, uh, there was a lot of panic that set in after the Wigan game because, as you said there, you know people were basically being quite arrogant and saying that. We've played those three teams, you know, Lincoln, Fleetwood and, and Cheltenham and, you know, we should be beating them, etc. And the first test that we came up against, we failed miserably. But, you know, we, Burton, we never beat uh, away, uh, ever. <laughs> I don't think it's ever happened in our history. So to get a point there is probably the best result we could have hoped for. But the Derby game, I think, has sort of settled the nerves. And let's be honest, you know, any team with aspirations to go up needs to be getting about two points a game. I think they said that's the that's the litmus test. So, yeah, 13 from six, we can't can't knock it, but we need to... Need to kick on now. I think we've got yourselves and Peterborough in our next two, and which would be on paper certainly two two difficult fixtures. And I think that'll be more games that will be quite telling as as to where we are. But the benefit we've got, I think, really is a very settled side until we get. Um, well, we had our inevitable ACL injury in the summer with with George Johnston. We have one every year. Um, having it to happen to a left-handed left-handed sorry left-footed centre half is never ideal, given how much of a rarity they are. But yeah, no, we'd have taken it at the start. We just um, we really looked to kick on now. And kind of kick on, I think, you know, is, is kind of the, the best place you could be, to be honest, I think, to kick on right now. Second in the league, um, only behind, obviously, Stevenage at the moment, but that's uh, obviously a game in hand. And obviously, I think you're only a point now behind Stevenage after their, um, their draw at the weekend. Um, one player that could be crucial in this, really, for you, um, we've touched a bit on um, Adebayejo, up top, his strike partner though was there last year for you. Got 16 goals in the league, 21 in all competitions. Dion Charles, I mean, gives a bit bit of uh, background on uh, on on Dion. 
Uh, Dion Charles is exactly the kind of striker that fans love and opposition fans absolutely despise. Um, he's, he's a terror up top. Um, fast, nasty, you know, will happily go, go into challenges a little bit late and put one in on the centre-half, but makes horrible runs in behind defenders and, and um, harasses them for the ball consistently. Uh, and I think the biggest problem that Dion has had and the reason why he's a League One player is finishing. Uh, and he's got a decent goal record for us, you know, 21 goals last year. Nothing to be sniffed at, but I think he knows and we all know who watch him week in, week out, that he could have quite comfortably improved upon that. Uh, looked in good touch this year. There's, there's no denying that. Been rewarded with a, with a new deal uh, amid interest from, from Stoke and Watford. I think he's from uh, that part of the world near Stoke, so I think that might have been a tempter had there been some concrete interest. But you know, the new contract obviously settled those nerves. But yeah, no, Dion is the star man. And I think it's quite telling that the game that he was suspended for, the Wigan match, um, obviously we lost 4-0. We didn't look anywhere near as potent going forward. The sort of little and large partnership that he's established between himself and Adeboyejo or Dan Elundalu when he plays, you know, it looks like they complement each other quite well. Um, but yeah, no, Dion is the is the danger man for sure. Uh, and you, you might have to give him three chances before he scores, but his, his general quality, I think, manufactures three chances a game anyway. So it's, it's a nice problem to have. Well, whenever you've got a 20 goal a season striker in your team, that's what everyone craves really at this level, isn't it? So, um, so yeah. Um, looking at the players behind him um, and kind of other areas of the pitch, we always like to try and pick out a player from from, from Bolton that if we can choose to play to mark a player out of the game, who would it be? Uh, now, I'm, I'm sure you probably want to choose some from your bench to mark out the game, but who would you say probably outside of uh, Charles and Adebayeju would probably be be the one to watch for Bolton? Um, I'll tell you what, it's probably a bit an interesting one um, because of where he plays, but Josh Sheehan sort of plays right at the sort of the base of the midfield. He's been, uh, what I noticed in the Lincoln game, the first game of the season, he was almost in that quarterback role, receiving the ball off the off the centre-halves and then dictating play from there. And, and the reason why Lincoln struggled and couldn't get out was because every time the ball sort of got forward quickly, it was being passed into Sheehan and Sheehan would progress us up the pitch so quickly that it made it almost impossible for them to, to not be so concerned about a very quick counter-attack that, yeah, they just basically had all those men behind the ball and, and couldn't do anything against us. Um, so, yeah, no, if, if you've got someone in, in your midfield who is capable of sort of being, being positioned a bit further up and, and sitting on Sheen and stopping him from, from passing all day, which is what he's capable of doing and what he's got the quality to do, it, it's, it would be quite crucial for you because we obviously love having the... Uh, the full backs, the, the wing backs, sorry, sort of bombing up and down. And the, the way Randall Williams and Josh Dakers Cogley get the ball is from Sheehan. <laughs> he, he is absolutely, he's the metronome in that midfield, the beating heart of the team. And if someone sits on him and stops that supply line, I think it could be very, very problematic for us and useful for yourselves. Sheehan number eight as well, I think, for Bolton. Yeah. For, for you guys in the middle of the park, yeah. So, uh, yeah, keep, keep an eye on him on uh, on Saturday. Josh Cogley as well, maybe out, maybe out on the wing fit for you guys. You play a pretty much a three three five two. Yeah, don't, I, I think pretty much or a, a variation of he plays out on on wing back. I think for you guys, how how does that normally normally set up? Got a couple of assists for you this season. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, so Josh Dakers Cogley came in essentially having to replace Connor Bradley, and as we discussed about Trafford. You know, replacing someone like Connor Bradley, who I think he's injured at the moment, had a real look in um, for the Liverpool first team this year, given how well he performed in pre-season and for us last year. I think he did a clean sweep of every single player of the season award that you could name, um, fans, players, managers, etc. Um, but jo Josh Dakers Cogley came in under a bit of a, you know, not much fanfare really, coming from Tranmere on a free. But he runs all day uh, down the wing, ridiculously um, good athleticism, good in the air. 
Um, delivery into the box could do with a bit of work, but he's just a constant outlet and, and never tires. Uh, and as such, I think just because the supply line from Sheehan or Morley or Dempsey or anyone who plays in that midfield is so regular out to him, he, he feels as though he's always on the ball. Uh, and I think that by virtue of the fact that he can keep going all day, whether the quality of Bradley is there or not, it makes him a constant thorn in the side. So, yeah, you don't want to give him too much space because he can whip in a very useful cross. But it's just the sheer amount of volume of crosses that have been coming in that I think have been so um, so fruitful for Adeboyejo and Charles when they've been in front of goal. Is that probably the main tactic then? Play out wide, get the get the balls into the box and kind of play play down the wings pretty much? It has been, yeah, it has been. So Randall Williams on the left is probably the better crosser of the two, but it seems as though Josh Dakers Cogley is the is the one that our, our players tend to target more. Um, but yeah, no, the midfield three um, all sort of have their defined roles, but whereas Dempsey and um, and George Thomason would usually try and win the ball and give it to Morley or Sheehan, depending on who plays to to sort of you know control the game. What they end up doing invariably is passing it wide and then sort of building from there. So uh, we're not one dimensional by any stretch of the imagination, but it has been hardwired because of how good Bradley was last year to look for that right-hand side. And uh, that's why Dacus Cogley is so regularly involved. It'll be an interesting one to see how they uh, how they match up then. Because one thing probably Reading hasn't been great at the last six months, you could probably even say to start the season is stopping crosses. Um, players have often found quite a bit of quite a bit of uh, freedom in those wide areas, two on ones, especially on the left uh, or our left back. Um, Carson, he's often been left two two on one, and I mean Exeter away was was a prime example of that. He had a torrid first half purely because he was just outnumbered there. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that matches up. Anyway, so um, looking at the game, then predictions, you're going to be making the the long trip down to the Medeski. <laughs> Will you be celebrating three points, do you think? Are you going to go for a win with your prediction? Well, well, fortunately for myself, Matt, I live down in London. So I'm I'm very much, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 it's an easiest journey for me. Although I think Taking the Elizabeth safe. line over then. It's, uh, yes, much, exactly. Much nicer. exactly. <laughs> well, well, you say that. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, down, I'm down in Ballon. So, so the horrible northern line up to the top court road first off is a bit of a bit of a nightmare. But mm. but yeah, um, no, I think... Uh, Oof, it's it's a t- it's a difficult one because Bolton are known as Charity FC for a good reason, and that is because we don't half help teams out like yourselves who are in a bit of d- dire straits, especially with financial turmoil off, off the pitch. You know, to be able to uh, get get themselves a bit of hope in terms of a footballing result. But uh, I'd like to think that we could come away with with a two 0 win. But my word, would it, would it not shock me in the slightest for you guys to go ahead early and then suddenly run out of ideas, panic, and, and lose the game? But for for the sake of this podcast, that so being... Reading FC. You, you just painted <laughs> Reading FC of the last few years perfectly yeah. there. Yeah, well, but while well, you know, they're probably upstairs, fully expect that to happen. I'm making the journey, so I'm gonna have to go with with Bolton and say probably a two 0 win. I, I I was probably going to go for similar. I have to say, um, yeah, I I can't say I'm overly confident for the weekend. What with everything just going on around the club at the moment, we won't obviously dive into it on this podcast. We've done one covering all of that. <laughs> yeah, I just oh, I'd love to see a win, but I can't see it. I'm going to go pro. I'm going to go two 0 as well. I think. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, that is a bit of a downer way to finish finish the pod, uh, but. <laughs> what more can i say um <laughs> tom thank you so much obviously for for um, for joining us on the podcast best of luck obviously for the rest of the season um as well hopefully obviously uh, not for this weekend but best of luck for the season hopefully we uh, we see you back in the championship next season as well um thank you everyone obviously for for listening in if you have enjoyed it 
give us a nice five star rating on uh, on your podcast of choice. Remember to follow all of our socials to keep up to date with the latest podcasts and the latest Reading FC chat. Until the next time, this has been the Elm Park Rolls preview podcast. I've been Matt Lansley and we'll catch you on the next one.